Oh shit, here we go again. What's up, ballers? The Breakfast Ball Squad is back. Uh, we've been taking a little bit of a break from podcasting. Things have been just absolutely wild um, across the board for all of us. But uh, we're, we're getting back in, um, and we're here to kind of take you through a quick recap of the events that we kind of missed in the fall, let you know what's going on with us, and uh, kind of head off into the sort of late fall into the first major, the, or the second major, really, the, the uh, Pumpkin Spice Masters in November. So let's <laughs> we're we're down a member today. Dougie's uh, he's out on the on the turf playing a little soccer. Um, but we got Vince in the booth. Vince, say what's up. What's going on, ballers? Happy to be back. It's been a few few weeks. Ready yeah. to, ready to shoot the shit. Let's get into it. Honest to God, man, when we were going through the the sort of breakdown for today's show, I couldn't believe that the U.S. Open was only a couple weeks ago. It feels like it was a month ago or like two months ago. It feels like it was forever ago. Um, and then, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm back in the helm, back in the driver's seat, first time in a while. So here we go. Um, what have you been up to? What's, what's been going on? Dude, work's been a little busy. We, we've all, I've only gone out to the course on weekends, you know, some, uh, some, you know, friend events, let's call them friend events over the last few weeks between people, you know, getting married and engaged and just a, bu- a bunch of those kind of things to set up the early fall. Uh, you know, I finally got my membership squared away at Pine Forest. Thank God. Paid my dues yesterday on top of all of my bills. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun day. That'll uh, hit you hard right believe there. Believe it or not, the first time I get to tee it up out there Friday afternoon in probably four weeks uh, will be my opening tee time in the club championship of a course that I just joined. Whoa. All right. Well, tell, tell, tell the people a little bit more about that, but club championship um, at the, at the forest, at the pine forest. You're, so you're not in Doug's flight, I assume. No, I believe he's in the top flight. It's handicapped flights based on 16 people. Um, so I'm in the second or third handicapped flight playing out of a 5.8 so that's at least 16 to 32 people who are lower than me which is pretty good Mm -hmm. and then after that there's two net flights um which can be anyone who didn't want to play gross or seniors i guess okay so uh should be pretty interesting all three three nines out there so friday saturday guaranteed and see if i can move on to sunday that's the plan Wow, that's huge, dude. I mean, Doug's been posting the videos of you guys playing indoor. It looks like you've been just absolutely piping it. So, Swing feels good. good. Uh, I mean, actually, collarbone, shoulder, kind of a little messed up. I'm, t- I'm really taking a break all week except for indoor the last two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to rest, if you will. And we have the indoor championship on next Monday, too. So hopefully we can win a, some more money and... Everybody can come and play at the the indoor place and eat for free too with everything we win. We'll see. Man, dude, you guys, you're just like in tournament mode. That's that's awesome. I mean, it's Good better stuff. than work mode, I suppose. Oh, yeah, that's been my mode. So, <laughs> well, you had uh, you had your golf season in this short period of time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So my my coaching season, um, you know, the time of year where my my own personal game just 
goes into the the shitter. But um, you had had an awesome season coaching this year. The team, you know, team really struggled. But there's an individual and a team aspect to the way that high school golf works in Pennsylvania. And um, yeah, I, I had a player just really at the end of the year round into form and, and make a push for states. And it, it was just. It was honestly the the most rewarding thing I've probably done with golf ever um, to, to watch this kid just like absolutely go for it uh, in, a, in a huge tournament, shoot the lowest rounding shot in his entire life to like literally miss a playoff by a shot. Um, so, yeah, it was it was super cool. And uh, yeah, that, that part of the year is done. You know, work is really busy, but I also just joined a new country club. So heading over to the Crest, Woodcrest Country Club. Um, get to play a nice classic William Flynn design, so that'll be fun. And hopefully get my game back sometime soon now that I can practice a little bit and, and play more than once every three weeks. So it should be, should be cool. As a, but then again, I mean, it's going to start getting cold here really quick. So we're, we're in minimal, maybe about a month or two before it starts to get you know freezing cold. So we'll I, see I what happens. I believe it, dude. That's crazy. Also... Must be a really good feeling, kind of, uh, you know, growing up as a golfer, you know, growing your game as a golfer and your knowledge as a golfer and imparting some of that onto a kid who made a push into, you know, into states. And yeah. must be, it must be a pretty cool feeling since, you know, we didn't grow up, you know, coaching sports at all. So yeah. that's awesome, so, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Cause like, you're not a swing coach. Like I'm not a PGA instructor. I don't help him with his swing or anything like that. And I mean, most, most of what we talk about is like, is strategy. Um, you know, we talk about some, some key things for the course. I've been, I've been trying to get out and scout the courses before we go to play them, uh, which has been actually pretty helpful. And I think it was, I'm not taking credit for what this kid did at all, but I think it, it did really help uh, some sh- uh, shot selection in some certain spots um, at the course that he had this tournament in. So, yeah, it is super rewarding. It's it's really fun, and uh, it's honestly starting to be the, my, my favorite part of my job in some way. So, yeah, it's, it was really good. But, um, all right, let's get back on track. Now that everybody knows what we've been doing, let's um, let's sort of slide into where we left off. So the last pod that we did was actually a U.S. Open preview, and I listened to that pod this morning in preparation for this. And I got to tell you, every single take that we put on tape, we got wrong. Uh, we were not right about one thing at Wingfoot. Um, but, and, and we definitely were not right about the winner. I think all of us dumped on Bryson's chances. And uh, I mean, Bryson's going to take a large part of this recap pod because he's really driven the golf needle um, this fall. But let's go through uh, – let's run through the fall winners and the events, and then we'll loop back around and talk a little bit about our kind of mini U.S. Open recap. You want to run us through those events? Yeah, absolutely. Well, since U.S. Open, you know, Bryson, six-shot winner over Matt Wolf. You know, I want to say it was crazy, but at this point in time, <laughs> you, play, you so. play a certain round a certain way, and, you know, here you are. Yeah. All right. After that, Corrales, Punta Cana, Hudson Swafford over Tyler McCumber and Mackenzie Hughes. Then Sanderson Farms, Sergio back into the winner's circle over That's Peter Malnati. It was a, a very sick um, five iron, I believe he hit. And like a big high cut. That was, I think it was nasty. All right, go ahead. And it's funny, some things started to come out after 
bat that he's playing his irons right now at like a C7 swing weight for the first time Whoa. ever. C7, C8, uh, super light. And apparently this it's kind of turned around his game the last few weeks. Hmm. Shriners Hospital, uh, Martin Laird over Austin Cook and Matt Wolf in a three-man playoff, uh, which was actually pretty sick. They played two holes, and Martin Laird, you know, he drained one finally to close it out. But. He really tried to cough that thing up, though. Oh, I know. The, <laughs> lot, the, the last two holes were absolutely atrocious. Hey, how but, are you doing in the pool? What's the situation with the pool? So I'm still in first place in this giant golf pool. I wow. am 475,000 points clear of second place. There's some congestion now. Uh, third and fourth place. Obviously, fourth place gets no money. So, okay. Um, the, you know, obviously, the goal is to stay in the money, but uh, I'm over 800,000 points uh, away from getting knocked out. So, three weeks left. We have the. Man. The CJ, the Zozo, I'm sorry, four weeks. CJ, the Zozo, the Houston Open, and the Masters to close. Oh, man, we just got, you just got to hold on to that Bronco, bro. You got to, uh, you got to ride this thing into the clubhouse. Trust, <laughs> trust me, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm what, dying in this position right now. I've been up here for like <laughs> five weeks, and I, there could have been some big swings with the Patrick Cantley win or Matt Wolf win last week, and... I'll tell you what, I was rooting for Martin Laird like nobody has ever before. <laughs> so you mean when he was on whatever that was on Wait, 17, when, when he when, queefed one like 60 oh yards right? God. What an up and down, though. Like ma- magical up and down. Yeah. he. I mean, that in the plug bunker shot, he had some that, – that was actually, like I said to you in the pre-show when we were kind of chatting about what we were going to talk about today, I think that course is absolute poop. It's just like a big, flat course in the desert. Um, but it actually – provided some drama i thought in a weird way like it you know laird had to steer it in and uh you just see what a stud wolf is wolf is just an absolute like he's starting to figure some things out really quickly out there and uh yeah that was that was a good win good win for uh for laird um a guy that i mean he's done some damage i think he has like four wins and stuff so yeah big, big right. deal it's funny i i know i've i've shit on matt wolf's putting and his chances of winning, because I don't think he's a great putter that, uh, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the stat, I saw the stat today, finally. He was 64 for 65 instead of, inside of 10 feet. Uh, that's some stones, and you don't just get that on a lucky day. Like, no. There's been some practice behind the scenes. And if he's striking and putting, I, if, damn, he's going to be really tough to beat sometimes. Yeah. I think, I mean not to speak for him, but I think that Doug's um, assessment of Matt Wolf is uh, as spot on as I could possibly like pick one out of the sky right now. Like the, the, what, what he said where um, he's basically revolving around the idea that like in the end, he might not be the most consistent one of those, you know, those, that group of Morikawa and Hovland and maybe even Justin Suh who's been playing better. But like in the end, he's probably going to be the guy that has the most majors hanging on the wall and it's because of that, like what you just talked about. He's got stones. Uh, he gets so streaky. And, I mean, he just absolutely melts it. Like he had wedge in on par fives, I think, twice in the final round, which is pretty wild. But, um, yeah, all right. So Shriners um, and Martin Laird uh, with the win there and some impressive play from Matt Wolf. Let's, let's go kind of rewind, though, 
And uh, let's talk about the U.S. Open. Let's talk a little bit about Bryson in the fall here. And, you know, I mean, this is obviously a little dated, but I think it's important that we kind of unpack this U.S. Open because this whole distance thing has kind of cascaded from what Bryson has done and how he tore up that golf course um, and then what he did this week at Shriners. Um, what, What kind of thoughts did you have on that first? Let's start with the U.S. Open first. I mean... I, I honestly, I didn't listen. I didn't go back and listen to the podcast. I don't think I wrote him off at Winged Foot. Um, we knew it was going to play. If I might have been the one. Yeah, I know. We knew it was going to play tough. Um, he was two shots better than what I think we said may have been the winning score. Um, but at the same time, I probably had, I probably had predicted maybe six to ten people under par, and there was one, and it was the guy who guy who closed it out. And honestly, yeah. regardless of his distance advantage, he played the best round on Sunday, For and sure. uh, and that's what got the job done. But yeah, I think I think what he's done since then, and the way it's influenced certain people, mm-hmm. um, is more meaningful than just than the than the major win. Like Bryson, Bryson's still going to win events, majors or not. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. I think its effect on the world is is more important. Yeah, and and I'm I mean, so I, when I re-listen to the pod, if you if you go back and listen, you'll hear that Doug and I both had the cut over par, and you had the cut a couple under par. You were the closest. You had the you had actually had it pretty nailed. I'm not saying that you picked necessarily the right players or whatever, but the way that you had the course being played and the way that you um, talked about the scoring, you were a lot closer than Doug and I were. And I think that part of it is that uh, Thursday round and that Saturday round, that course was so soft compared to what I think everybody talked uh, about it uh, being going into the week. And you saw a couple things, at least in my opinion, crop up really quickly. And part of the reason why it kind of ended up playing into Bryson's hands, right? Long rough does not hurt long hitters it hurts short hitters that don't hit fairways right because like trying to hit out of that rough with a six iron or a seven iron versus having a sand wedge in your hand is massively different right and bright and that's what bryson had bryson just had wedges when he missed um whereas other guys had um you know had longer clubs and and were at a, a little bit of a disadvantage so to me that was one thing and then the fact that you know, we've talked a lot on the pod about Bryson's sort of issues with being able to spin the ball enough because he uses, you know, longer wedges, wedges that are the length of a six iron. Um, and we've seen him struggle kind of in those intermediate shots. Well, when the golf course isn't that firm, he's good to go. Um, and, and yeah, so that's kind of just my take. I think in the end, it's set up perfect for him. He ended up clearly being the best player in the field by a whole bunch. Um, but I mean, he, in some ways, he kind of made a little bit of a mockery of a classic course. And I'm not saying that Wolf wasn't right there with him because he just, if you look at Wolf, he kind of hits it just as far, just on different lines. Um, but yeah, in, in the end, it was, it was Bryson's thing. And, and he clearly was the best player all around in the field that week. But I like what you said about this sort of arms race that's coming up from what he did there and then what's happened since. You know, uh, I saw this week, Rory, um, DJ posting their 
uh, TrackMan numbers. And we saw Finau in the past do the same thing. Uh, you know, kind of how, how do you, you mentioned it. How do you feel about kind of where this is going and, and what these guys are maybe taking away from what Bryson is doing? Yeah, I mean, if there isn't if there isn't a speed race, then there is going to be a further evolution in the technology people are putting into their their swings and how they're studying themselves as players. Um, I I can guarantee they're all in some way looking at one or two things Bryson does mm-hmm. and trying to currently imitate it and or make it fit their game better. Uh, we right. saw it with Rory. His was simply a, a shaft upgrade, um, and, you know, and I think he may have de-lofted his, his head a little bit too. And he, Rory's one of the best people, best drivers of the golf ball. He generates like one of the best upwards angle of attack, which is all things that Bryson preaches in correspondence with him hitting the damn ball a mile. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, if it fits anybody currently, it's going to be guys like Rory, DJ, Tony Finau. Yeah, I agree with you. My big concern is what is this going to do to the game in the long run? Is it going to take historical courses completely out of play? Is it, mm-hmm. uh, I know we've brought this up before, but like, is, is this play style? Could it ruin Augusta? Like, yeah. That's like I'm, the biggest question. I mean, it's hard to like, look, you can't blame the players. I, I've, I've come around on this a little bit. Initially, I had a lot of like hate for what Bryson was doing because I was like, "Oh man, he's just trying. He's just breaking this system." But that's the problem. The problem isn't what Bryson's doing. The problem is what the governing bodies have done, in my opinion. Like the technology, how straight the ball goes, how little it spins, has probably all gotten out of hand for pros. And there's too many people that are for whatever reason, pissed off about bifurcation and, and you know, they, they want us to play the same thing. The pros play. They think it gets too murky when you get to the sort of low level pro high level am game. Where do we, where do we make the line of demarcation between a pro ball and a, an everyday ball? And obviously those are a lot of things that you have to consider. I, I don't know if what's going on right now is going to prevent, um, the, the tour from going to classic courses or for majors not being set up at classic courses. But what I will tell you is classic courses will start to be a lot more boring because it's clearly going to just be drivers and wedges. Um, and there's just no way around that, which for some people, some people do not care, right? Like, like think about our buddy, Chris, shout out to Chris on the pod. He like loves what Bryson's doing. He thinks it's fascinating, but he's like a fairly casual guy golf viewer and golfer he he loves the long ball he thinks it's super sick and it is to a degree so you know with him watching it with him checking it out he kind of has this viewpoint that i don't i don't really give a shit about these courses i just want to see this guy hit the hell out of it hit it close and make a putt and if that is cool to you then this is going to be very cool i was thinking about this the other day and i you can jump in if you want i like players like Rory, DJ, Finau, you know, Matt Wolf, um, these guys that are absolutely freaks and, and they just melt it. They hit it for Brooks. You know, there's Fina, or I said Fina already, but there's like a lot of guys out there that, that already absolutely destroy it, right? I just think this next crop of kids, these kids that are like 15 right now, 
and they're they're kind of like getting ready to you know their their golf careers are blossoming you're just going to have a lot of kids that get those ball speeds like from this point forward be prepared for all these college kids all these kids like training to go pro are going to learn speed first and they're all going to learn to just absolutely wreck and, and that's it so if you're the governing bodies, you have to decide what you want the game to be. If the premium skill is going to be distance, then you're in the place you want to be. If you're trying to put a premium on more than one skill, then you need to make changes. But you need to do it soon because you have a generation coming up behind that is for sure going to all hit it the way that Bryson and Rory and DJ hit it right now. Like It's not going to become an outlier. It's going to become the norm. Um, and we have to get ready for that to a degree. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that, but I don't, I don't disagree, but let's just turn it over to like a little math real quick. So like 150 people, 152 person field, you know, 10%, 15 guys. There probably isn't even 15 guys who produce 190 for sure on average in the whole field. And, and then, but you know, now you have Bryson who's like, man, my new target, I saw him post this today. My new target's 205 average. Like, who are you competing with other than yourself? But see, that's why you can't knock, like, Matt Fitzpatrick came out with. Exactly. I say that's, you can't hate him for driving, to, to, for moving the envelope, for moving the game forward in a way. It's, it yeah. might not be the best way, but it, it's still, it's still a change that, is on everyone's radar. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get stuck between um, pushing the envelope and moving the needle there? And yes, I did. Moving the envelope? Damn that right. Was, that was sick. I love that. <laughs> no, you're, I, I like what you're saying, though. Like, I, I think your point is good. And it it's, goes back to, like, Matt Fitzpatrick had those quotes coming out of Shriners Week, right? Like, Bryson drove a bunch of greens that were, like, 380, 390, which... By the way, I don't even know why that's surprising. We've seen him hit it that far already. People were like, holy shit, you'll never believe what Bryson just did. Listen, we've seen him do it. Um, he's going over dog legs with plenty of room. So that didn't surprise me at all. But what Matt Fitzpatrick, basically, he made one good point, but also came off kind of whiny about it, where he was like, listen, I thought I played really well at Wingfoot and I didn't even make the cut. I thought I drove it good. I didn't even make the cut. You know, the the premium on uh the premium out there now, the skill that is being sort of um enhanced is all about distance. And then he made a point like I could go lift weights, I could go see a biomechanist, I could do all these things to gain distance. But to me, the skill should be how you, you know, place the golf ball. The thing is, Bryson's hitting just as many fairways as most people at that distance. You know what I mean? He's still very accurate. And so this isn't going away unless changes are made in the technology and in the equipment. And that would have to be something that everyone accepts. Um, but yeah, your numbers are probably right. Like if you have 15 guys that aren't getting or that are hovering between 180 and 190, also with how like perfectly conditioned the courses are, how firm a lot of the, the courses play, at least in the fairway, um, you know, all those guys are going to start reaching those numbers. Cam Champ doesn't fly it anywhere near as far as Bryson, yet he hits it past him a lot because he hits it so low with so little spin, and he can just roll that thing right by him. I mean, Matt Wolf was doing it at the U.S. Open. 
So it's just a matter of like all these guys do it in different ways. But when you're getting to those north of 185-ish, 180-something ball speeds, you're depending on the launches and the spins and all these things that you're producing, like the distance is just out there. The driver is so much easier to hit for a pro uh, at, at this point in the existence of the game uh, than it was 30 years ago. And that's that's okay, but that is where we are. So if we're going to stay here, then that decision has to be made. If we're going to find a way to kind of change some things, that decision has to be made. But we're getting, I think Bryson is pushing the game to that point. Like we've hovered with this distance thing for a while, and it's getting to a point here where something's going to have to be done, you know? Mm-hmm. And if it's not the PGA, I think it's you as a pro, you cannot choose to stay where you are. You don't have that option anymore. You For just, sure. Yeah, no, like, you gotta you gotta get out there and you have to yeah. adapt. Yes, thousand percent. And I, I think that a lot of pros do a ton of work to get better. But, like, you know, you better stop maybe devoting so much time to hitting uh, four and five irons and, and, and get your long iron game tuned in because it just isn't tested. Like, you probably need to go figure out how to get faster and how to hit it further and how to take advantage of having short irons like all these other guys do. You know, that's that's just it. That's where the test is. So No doubt. We can go on this all day, but at the same time, yeah, yeah it's not. Good. It's currently not changing in this in this world. So. Yeah, but you got like I, I like what you said that you got to give Bryson credit. Like in the end, what he did has been incredible, um, but also the fact that like he has really pushed all this to a different sort of stratosphere is a big is a big deal. Um, okay, yeah. So then this week, Bryson not teeing it up. He says he's going to take off and hit like twenty. I heard read somewhere twenty thousand drivers or something along those lines um, between now and the Masters. He's thinking about putting a 48-inch driver in the bag. Um, he's not playing this week, but we have the CJ Cup, which unfortunately due to COVID uh, has been moved, so it's not part of the, the sort of Asian, Asia swing. No, no Japan this year. Um, but we, we do have the CJ Cup out at Shadow Creek where the match between um, Tiger and Phil was held. What do we think about CJ Cup this year, Vince? Brooks making his return from injury. Um, interesting, like deep field, no cut event at like one of the kind of hidden affluent gambling golf courses of Las Vegas. What do you think? So I like Shadow Creek as a, as a course to, to watch and, and, you know, and have these better players play. I think it's just a cool track. Um, obviously Ben greens, you see some guys either thrive or die. You know, you know, on them. Um, I watched a little bit of the charity event, charity event today. You know, Kevin Nav, Las Vegas native. He wants to play an event out there every year. I don't blame him. I think it's, I think it's probably the best track that they have in Vegas, especially in comparison to Hammerlin. Um, but mm-hmm. stacked top thirty, and then obviously, you know, the the top forty through eighty. It's kind of, it's not a bad field. Obviously, you see some of the guys who are getting ready to to get ready for Augusta. So here we go. So, yeah, I think you, you make a good call. Like this is going to be a, a better course than, than TPC Summerlin. Um, and you're going to see, you're going to see better play just because of a deeper field too. I think this is actually really interesting because it really is the lead up to the masters, right? Like we have what are normally these two premium events um, in Asia 
that are being sort of moved over here next week at Sherwood uh, is going to be really cool because that's a, an awesome golf course. And then you have the Houston Open for the first time at Memorial Park. So that's really neat. You're going to have three great fields in a row leading into the Masters. And it, it's going to be interesting to see because like a couple of these guys have taken a couple weeks off. Then you have a guy like Bryson who's going to take a couple weeks off now. So the sort of breakdown uh, of how this is going to go is is definitely going to be interesting to see who's peaking. Um, you know, the, the COVID tests being positive for Finau, who's going to miss another week this week. Um, and then obviously the big news uh, being DJ uh, testing positive, which – I mean, that's that's really tough because we all know he's had sort of tough luck leading into the Masters a lot of times. So, yeah, I mean, those it's going to be a cool week, I think, to kind of see who who's, you know, showing out and who's getting ready um, in the best form. Did you have some thoughts on like some picks, some, some people to watch for? this Yeah. Week? So obviously we got Berger back in the field since uh, since the U.S. Open, I think. Um, I think this is probably, obviously we know he doesn't get to play in the masters. We've talked about this before. It sucks. Actually, it's, it's crazy that the year he's had since that point in time where he still can't compete at the masters. Um, I guess I should just, you know, fuel the fire a little bit, but burgers back in the field. I like his odds on bank greens at all times. Hits a nice mm-hmm. cut and, you know, proximity to the hole makes some, makes some good birdies, but really good on bent grass. I think Berger's somebody to keep an eye on. Patrick Cantley played well three out of four rounds last week in Vegas. Um, after a pretty terrible spring. Uh, yeah. So if he if he's coming around, that's great. And then Victor Hovland, I actually really like his odds this week too. Yeah, I think you made a good point about uh, Cantley. We talked about him having like a tough restart, and and he kind of got right. I think his home course is Summerlin. I know a lot of guys, a lot of the pros are out there. That's like a big um, sort of like meeting or, or like you know housing area for them. They're all based out of out of that area. So yeah, it's a good point there. I mean, I'm I gotta tell you, I'm most interested in um, in seeing what Brooks has. I think it's too early. For him to be coming back, truthfully, I know that it's like a four-week run-up to get to the Masters. Um, but we saw what happened when he came back this year, presumably a little too early. It didn't look like he had a lot. He struggled with that hook and the block. So he had like a combo, like two-way miss going with the driver. Just did not look like himself. So I'm, I'm really, really interested to see what he has. Uh, and you brought up uh, Hovland who, I got to tell you, I mean, he had a sneaky good U.S. Open, right? Kind of snuck in at the end there a little bit, played really well on Saturday and Sunday. I just think this guy is the, he needs one big breakout win. That's all he needs. Like, he needs one really good one to kind of validate something within him for him to kind of take it to the next level uh, and maybe be as consistent as we've seen Matt Wolf lately, who I, I personally love this week. I think this course sets up really good uh, for him, for the things that he does well, and if that putter stays hot, uh, it could be a great week for him. Did you see this thing about uh, they're going to have live betting odds on the screen this week? I did not, but I'm not surprised. Um, Doug's got to have a boner over this, I would think. <laughs> so we've seen um, we've seen that pop up a few times, and I 
I looked at them a little bit. I read quite a few articles on action sports um, when I'm looking at my pick for the week just to kind of get some insight on sleepers or if they're talking about you know players playing out there and some of their off time. Any any edge I can get. Um, and I want to say Burger's like 35 to 1 this week. Which, wow. Uh, it's because he hasn't played since U.S. Open. Um, but I really like that number. Uh, I, if I had to go off a single person to bet on with those odds, it'd be Berger. Um, so, and Hovland, he's in my list. He's like top five T to green shots gained average. And he hasn't missed a cut in 14 events since the U.S. Open break. If if he's taken three weeks and worked on the things that are that's holding him back and he's practiced well, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him up there at the end. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I think it's been such a weird year. I'm talking to somebody else about this, like outside of our main group. But it's been such a weird year because of the way that events have flowed, this big break, the fact that there's like 50-some events this year. It's almost like you really can't like pinpoint anybody as playing like really, really great or really, really poor until you see them across like 15 starts right now because they're so spread out. There's so much gapping. Um, the conditions of the courses are different. Like you're going to see the Masters probably as soft as it's ever been. Well, not ever. I mean, w- years where they get a ton of rain, it's really soft. But if they have a really good week, it's going to be actually still pretty soft because they're overseeding it. Um, and you're seeing them play some like different courses than they traditionally do. So you don't know what that means, right? Like we don't know if Memorial Park is going to be a very good um, mirror to prep for the Masters. We have no idea. So I think a lot of what you're saying is true. Like, got to look at these guys. Got to look at what they've done. You got to see how they play, regardless of score, right? Like, if if Berger has a week where he's just not great on the greens, but he hits the absolute shit out of it, that doesn't mean anything at this point. All that means is he's got two more weeks to try to find something in the one part of his game that isn't that great and then move it into the Masters. Now, oddly enough, he still has not gotten into that Masters. So someone like him, like he's crossing his fingers for a special exemption, which those haven't come out yet. And, um, I mean, hopefully, I mean, the guy's like, what, 13th in the world. Hopefully he gets that, but we we just don't know. So it's going to be interesting. These, these next four weeks, I think, are going to be some really, really cool events, some events that we should all be focused on. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back to kind of be giving you guys our, our previews and reviews and, and talk about what else is going on um, with these these events as we lead up to the Masters. So, Vic, you got anything else you wanted to kind of wrap no, up I, with today? So I, I gave you my concluding pick of, of Patrick out there. Mm-hmm. I know we've rattled through a few names, but give us your – give it, who's going to win this thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm going Matty Wolf. I'm going Wolf this week. Okay. I think he was so, so close last week, and I think this is – a very similar test with very similar questions. Um, and I, I, I think he'll get it done this week, especially with a lot of the players um, having time off coming into this, this week. So that said, the, I think the only thing that may hold him back this week is he's young. Does he have the bounce back mentality yet? You know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, when you're younger, you you hold on to things a little bit longer. True. Um, that's a good point. I mean, I mean, I was the same way when, when I failed, you know, in my youth playing sports. <laughs> uh, it, it stuck with me for weeks. So you never know. And, and golf yeah. is way more mentally t- 
taxing than anything I grew up playing. So, so what you're <laughs> saying is you're you're mentally ready for the Pine Forest Club Championship? Damn series. right, damn. The right. guy there, you, there. You heard it here first, people. The newest member is ready to cut down the trees at the forest this week. <laughs> take home, take home a little trophy. Um, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. I can't, I can't wait to see how it plays out. I, th- I think it will be a cool week with how deep the field is. I want to bring up one other thing. I'm just going to quickly say it. I don't know if anybody out there listening watched the KPMG at Aronimink, which is close because I, I mean, I live just outside of Philadelphia. I loved it. I loved. I watched that whole tournament. I watched it more than I watched the PJ Tour this week. It was awesome to see uh, Se Young Kim get that win. Um, just that, like, I mean, she just plays so freaking quick, which is cool. I love that. I love to see these like women hitting five woods into par fours is really wild. Um, and to watch them, you know, use slopes and, and do some stuff around the greens and, and Aronimink is just covered in bunkers. Every one of those bunkers was in play uh, versus like when they played the PGA or the BMW PGA or whatever it was there a couple of years ago, uh, Keegan Bradley and all those guys were just kind of bombing it over everything. And the course got just torched. So I hope some of you enjoyed some some of the women's golf this week because it was straight up phenomenal to see. And the course looked awesome on TV. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. You're playing in the club championship this week. I'm playing uh, maybe maybe two separate nine-hole rounds at my new club this week. And uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be checking out the, uh, the CJ Cup. Awesome. Awesome, man. All right, all right send us off. We are... Both pretty busy this weekend, it sounds like. Yeah, sounds that way. <laughs> I'm going to head out and try my damn best to represent, uh, you know, myself with a bunch of new members. <laughs> and then um, we'll be back to recap the CJ, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about Terrell Hatton's hoodie next week. Ooh, yeah, hoodie gate. All right, hoodie we'll put gate. that on the list. Damn right. All right. All right, ballers, if you get out there this weekend... Hit them straight. If not, don't forget to reload one. Hit that breakfast ball. We appreciate it as always. We'll see you after the CJ.